Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Miles Gage. He is the uh, chairman of Rapunzel Investments, which is a way for people to learn about the whole field of investing. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Miles. Thank you for having me. And I just want to correct you. I am not the chairman of Rapunzel, but I am the co-founder. Co-founder. Very good. Okay. You're co-founder and chief marketing officer, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So let's, before we get to Rapunzel, just give us your history briefly and how you got to to, to be one of the co-founders of Rapunzel Investments. All right, well, we're gonna go way back. So basically, um, I, I went to an elementary school on the south side of Chicago. They had a finance-based curriculum that was founded by the former Secretary of Education, Arnie Duncan, and John Rogers, who is the founder and co-CEO of Aerial Investments, which is the oldest minority-owned asset management firm um, in the world. and. Basically, they just, they created a school on the south side of Chicago that had a finance-based curriculum, but they felt that in addition to math, science, English, that students need to be learning about money management because regardless of what field you go into, you're ultimately going to get paid and you're going to need to know what to do with that money. But if you never taught about what to do with it, you're going to end up making a bunch of poor financial mistakes. So in order to kind of dispel this or, or, or shift the narrative, they decided to create a school that had a finance-based curriculum, which I attended starting in kindergarten. And basically, we started learning about the basics of economics and finance uh, at an early age. And I excelled in the curriculum. My brother also excelled in the curriculum, who's older than me. And in 2004, he, joined, he entered an essay competition Hosted by the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, um, and one of his prizes was a membership to a teen investment club, which I would ultimately join like a year later. And that's where I actually started managing my own stock portfolio. In 2008, I, I, I entered that same essay competition that he won, and I wrote an essay about how I planned to liquidate my um, yeah, I wrote an essay about how I plan on financing my college education and with my main point being liquidating my stock portfolio. So as a result of that, um, one, of my, one of my prizes was a scholarship to attend the University of Chicago Lab School in Chicago's Hyde Park neighborhood. And that's where I will ultimately meet my future co-founder of Rapunzel, Brian Curcio. And we basically hit it off because we were both teen investors and I guess precocious in nature, in nature in that regard and we would often have like these heated discussions at our lockers and to give you all the time frame this is 2008 so this is during the last financial crisis and us being 14 year olds freshmen we knew that this was kind of like a Kmart blue light special because we weren't retiring anytime soon and we understood the concept of market cycles so there were a bunch of really good companies that were basically on sale. And um, that's kind of what, that's what brought us together. And we ultimately would go our separate ways for college, but would reconvene and reconnect during the summer breaks. And um, we, we had the idea of like, why don't we create an app that teaches people how to invest in the stock market by allowing them to build simulated stock portfolios. So really 
Rapunzel, in a nutshell, um, we give users ten thousand fictitious dollars to to build out stock portfolios and are able to purchase or buy and sell stocks of real publicly traded companies and see what their returns and losses are without risking their own money. Yeah. So just be, can I give me a broad view? What is the state of personal finance education today and why was there a need for Rapunzel? Because there seems to be a lot of information out there about personal finance education in schools and so on. But why is it that they need the world needed Rapunzel on top of what's already out there? Well, I think there may be financial education tools out there, but they're not really getting to the kids. Um, and that's what I've seen, and that's just what my experience has been. That there are a lot of things about budgeting, um, credit and debt management, but those aren't necessarily the most captivating things to young people. And what I found is, and one of the really cool ways to get people to care about personal finance is by showing them the ways in which they can build wealth. And so around the time that Rapunzel came about was the, was around the same time that we saw a lot of people flocking to platforms like Robinhood um, because investing was suddenly more accessible than it previously had been. And we had a lot of friends coming up, or really I had a lot of friends that were coming up to me asking about, like, how do they begin investing? Because they knew that I was an investor. So I think the real need for Rapunzel was the fact that investing was becoming more accessible to people. But... A lot of people don't understand the fundamentals or the foundation and best practices on how to invest. And I think a lot of people may jump or put their hats in the ring a little bit too too soon before understanding like how the stock market works. And I think the first time they lose money, they ultimately become fearful and they ultimately sell. Like I had a lot of friends that were buying companies when they were green and selling them when they were red, which as we know, that's not a good practice at all. And in fact, you should be applying the exact opposite. But unless you understand market cyclicality and understand stock market or stock pricing volatility, then being comfortable when stock price is dropping is ultimately never going to really be a thing for you. So why do you think more people invest in the stock market? Because they're buying when it's high and selling when it's low. The stock market's been doing really well for a long time here. Why aren't more people in it? Why aren't more people in it? Yes, I think I think the reason that most a lot of people aren't in it is because it's it's ha- it's not accessible to a lot of people. Um, I think the stock market accessible to those who have parents or family members that are in the financial services space. But if that's not the case, typically it's gonna your journey into investing is it might be a lot longer, and often you might be afraid to invest because of, of some of the headlines she may see or for the point that I've just made a little bit earlier that the moment that your stock or the stock drops below the price that you pay for it, you may want to sell because you're not, you don't understand the concepts or of market cycles or, or, the, or stock pricing volatility. So I really think it's the exposure piece. I, I, I really think that that's the case. Um, so when, when did you actually launch Rapunzel? And roughly how many members do you have now? So Rapunzel itself, the idea for Rapunzel came about in July of 2016, and we got the the app into the App Store in April of 2017. Um, and as to date, we have 50,000 current accounts on the app itself, and we have five employees that work at the company. Okay. And so this is a, a, an app where people can actually do buying and selling 
trading. Are there no commissions involved? Yes, no, there are no commissions, and this is all simulated, so it's all fictional. And to that point, that's something that we thought about, but there's just so much red tape and regulatory um, <laughs> hurdles that come with becoming like a full-service brokerage platform. So our whole thing is we, we ultimately aim to be a feeder to real brokerage platforms when people are comfortable um, with the idea of simulated trading and want to do it with their real money. So was that, in fact, happening? People are learning on Rapunzel and then going to Robinhood or other platforms to actually do real trading? Yes. And so we did have a partnership with a brokerage platform that we actually terminated a couple months ago, but we were ultimately feeding our users to their, to their platform, but they weren't providing the ultimate transparency on how many accounts were being opened. So we ultimately decided to, to shift gears and, and, and focus a little bit more on some other aspects of the app, but we know that that, that is definitely a viable um, route is to be a feeder to the different brokerage platforms. So what is your business model for making money at doing this? Okay, so our, our true business model is um, we, we create custom competitions for like Fortune 500 companies uh, like McDonald's and like Nuveen Investments. And in addition to those competitions, we may also host workshops, training employees on various financial concepts. And Rapunzel is also a tool, um, a tool for a nonprofit, Dreams for Kids. And basically, Dreams for Kids is able to raise money from various financial services firms to support education in underserved communities. And then that nonprofit pays Rapunzel like a data and technology fee for actually hosting the competitions on our platform. Um, so like those are like the true, the two main revenue routes. Very good. We're gonna take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answers Show. My guest this hour is Miles Gage. He's the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Rapunzel Investments based in the Chicago area, which is a mobile application that helps people simulate stock portfolios. You can find out more at their website, rapunzelinvestments.com. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's gonna be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is gonna be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not gonna be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. 
talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Miles Gage. He's the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Rapunzel Investments, which is a mobile application that allows people to simulate stock portfolios. You can find out more at their website, RapunzelInvestments.com, and that is spelled R-A-P-U-N-Z-L Investments.com. Welcome back to the show, Miles. Glad to be here. So one thing you've added relatively recently is crypto, what you call crypto cash-outs. So explain how that works, that people teach people how to trade cryptos. Okay, so similar to the, the stock, the simulated stock trading aspect of Rapunzel, we have the same type of thing going with cryptocurrency. So basically, we have the three major coins and 20 of the altcoins that are listed on Coinbase on the Rapunzel app. So you can see what your crypto gains or losses are without risking your own money. And with cryptocurrency being so turbulent and people or just the world trying to really understand its use and its value and trying to understand like the movement in crypto, rather than risk your own money um, buying crypto on, on various platforms, we figured it also made sense to offer crypto on the app itself because I think cryptocurrency is, is it's a, it, as we know, it's something that's new, but I don't think a lot of people have done their homework in understanding how it works. And truly, there isn't enough information for us to truly understand how it works. Obviously, it's a decentralized currency that it, it moves on the blockchain, but what does that really mean? Um, I, and basically we were getting a lot of requests about like, well, will you guys have cryptocurrency on the platform? You're going to have crypto. So we've got to, we've got to listen to our users and the people. And, uh, we worked on getting crypto out, which has been on the app since I want to say mid April of this year. So what, what role do you think crypto should play in the average person's portfolio? Not just their hypothetical one, but their real portfolio. Should they have a decent amount in crypto? I would say you probably want to you probably want to adjust or uh, or balance your portfolio with some with probably safer assets. Um, I think that you should have crypto exposure, but I don't think your whole entire portfolio should should just be comprised of cryptocurrency just because we're still trying to figure out how how it all moves and how it works. But I will say just like um, what we're currently seeing with equities with, I believe, like the S&P 500 being down 20% year to date, this is an opportunity to get things at a discount. Um, and I think the same thing is similar to cryptocurrencies. I think a lot of people purchased at the height um, of currencies, like in the middle of the pandemic, when it was going pretty crazy, especially with the, the emergence of NFTs and whatnot. But I, I still think that there is a lot of for us to learn about cryptocurrencies. So I think it, it does make sense to have a small crypto position, but I don't think that by no means should cryptocurrency be comprised or represent the majority of your portfolio. Why did crypto go up so much with Bitcoin hitting like 65,000 
And why has it dropped to 20,000 or so recently? What, what made it go up and what made it go down so dramatically? Well, I honestly don't know. I don't, I'm, I don't want to sit up here and act like I'm the expert of all things crypto. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm just watching it just like everyone else. But what I can say just from what I observe, I think there was a lot of speculation with cryptocurrency um, and a lot of hype behind that, which sent a lot of people buying cryptocurrency. And I think what you saw was that some of the, the larger crypto holders used that time as a, as a period to sell a lot of their coins. But I just don't think they're, the market is just as liquid as, as equities or the bond market is. So that's, I think that's what, what, what we saw happen. Yeah. So you have on Rapunzel investor resources. Uh, so just tell us a little bit what kind of resources are available, and then we're going to go into some of the curriculum in more details. But just give us in general what kind of resources are available on Rapunzel Investments. So on for our resources, we have quizzes um, that cover various financial topics. And with those resources, we also – that does get into the curriculum itself. So we have like a full – the full suite curriculum that covers an array of financial topics that we actually worked with a high school in Chicago to design. Um, so it's standards aligned. But I mean, really what, what led to this was back in 2018 when we were trying to figure out how to get users on the platform, we ended up partnering with um, the Federal Reserve Bank, oddly enough, because it was coming up on the 10-year anniversary of when I won this competition. And we noticed that they didn't do anything for high school students. So we ultimately would host a high school investment competition that year. And um, we started getting a lot of questions from teachers that were not the most financially literate about, like, how do they introduce this to their classroom or how do they get their students on board? And a lot of them wanted to do it, but they just did not have the bandwidth or the understanding and knowledge to make it the most um, – I guess, to make it the most effective. So we took it upon ourselves to, to build out um, a curriculum based upon like some of the most frequently asked questions that we got from instructors. And then we also looked at some other financial, I guess, resources that, it, that exist in the universe And because um, there's no point in reinventing the wheel. And we took some of the concepts that were discussed and then we just put it in our own words and we, we made it to be digestible for any anyone picking it up and we were thinking about like are you smarter than a fifth grader because for us we like my partner and i like we've been immersed in the world of finance since we were in middle school so sometimes the language and the jargon that we use is goes over people's heads so we actually worked with some high school students as we were refining the curriculum to make sure that it was it was in layman's terms and and it, and it could be digested by anyone picking it up. So it's designed to be self-guided, but we also have teacher notes and minutes um, to help a, an instructor introduce it in their respective classroom. Yeah. So let's go through some of the modules, just to kind of give people a sense of what's uh, in, in the resources. The first one is welcome to the stock market. So what are some of the basic things about the stock market that people so, might not understand that they should understand? Uh, the stock market is like a business that there's a there's time when it opens and when it closes. People don't often understand how exchanges work. They pair buyers and sellers similar to a marketplace. We talk about like the primary market when securities are initially issued and then the secondary market when they're traditionally exchanged between 
everyday people or institutions. Um, we talk about the process of like, in addition to the primary markets, more about IPOs, initial public offerings, the role of investment banks, um, and then the basics of of uh, like various indexes like S and P five hundred, and we also cover like some of the best practices as far as like buying what you know and and doing your own research. Don't take other people's advice. This is probably one of the main times where well, you should always do your homework. But we we really emphasize that when it comes to investing, it comes to your man. Managing your own money, that you want to understand, at least have a baseline understanding of what's going on. Just don't take anyone else's word for that. So that's that's essentially the intro to the stock market. So how has the advent of uh, commission-free trading, uh, meme stock uh, trading, uh, places like Robinhood and so on, how has that changed the game for the average person uh, to get interested and involved in investing? Yeah. So like like I was saying earlier um, was the fact that traditionally the stock market was not accessible to a lot of people. And unless it was something that was discussed in your home, you, you, you probably weren't really immersing yourself in the stock market. But especially with like Robin Hood and the meme stocks, I think this, this has become more of a mainstream conversation, a mainstream conversation. So a lot more people are, are, are talking about investing or talking about the stock market or talking about cryptocurrency but oftentimes they just don't know where to begin. And I think that that can be very dangerous with all of these things being super accessible. So we, so again, to your question earlier, is like we saw a need to have something like Rapunzel in the marketplace that would allow people to, to learn about these things in a, in a safer environment than just opening account, putting a, you know, maybe putting a thousand dollars in and then losing it all or, or just not understanding that, that it's not about trying to time the market, it's about time in the market. So it's these basic concepts where we feel that we're, we're able to, to fill that void. But yeah, like, I, like just going back to the question, it's, it's gotten a lot mainstream. And I think there are a lot of people that just don't know what they're doing. So we want to be the solution there. What do you think specifically about meme stock investing? Everybody got hot on GameStop and AMC and, you know, the, and then they would shoot up when they the shorts were against them. It was like mm -hmm. the little guy beating the big guy. What, and, and it seems to have faded to some extent. What do you think of that whole phenomenon of mean stock? I, I, I think it, it, goes, it goes back to what I was saying about this is really the, the most important time to do your homework. Don't take other people's advice because what happened with the meme stock, what happened with the Reddit is there was this echo chamber on social media about people giving stock tips and it was the blind leading the blind they didn't understand what they were talking about but they heard that their friend made xyz dollars trading amc or their friend made xyz trading GameStop. but by the time that they got that information you know the opportunity had already passed um and that, and that goes back to i think it's a warren buffett quote where he said if you're if your cab driver is giving you stock advice then that's a problem you shouldn't take it because for all the information to trickle down to that to that person, that means that someone's already won. And I think that what happened and what we even saw was there was just a bunch of carnage after that among, amongst all these people that end up losing all this money. And the thing is, especially when it comes to the meme and his day trading, is the average person doesn't have access to like the high speed data and all this, you know, the resources to get the latency to get 
to take advantage of some of the, the pricing differences. So you're getting delayed data. And what ends up happening is, like I said, you end up you that information doesn't help you. You end up getting the short end of the stick, unfortunately. So most people end up losing with the meme stock crazy is what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's kind of painful. Yes. <laughs> and that's similar with crypto. I mean, it was, they were related. There were a lot of people going into crypto as they were going into meme stock trying to ride the wave. And exactly. Then the wave exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and if you have your own conviction on why you believe in maybe a cryptocurrency or a company, then if it does crash or whatever, maybe you're looking at it as a time to start buying more of it. But again, you have to do your own homework and do your own research to form your own thesis on why something is a good investment or not. And that's something that we have not that wasn't present then. These are just people taking other people's words or 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 not wanting to miss the train. Felt it felt kind of like a gold rush. Yes, indeed. Very good. We're gonna take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Miles Gage. He's the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Rapunzel Investments which is an app that allows people to simulate stock portfolios using real-time market data. You can find out more at their website, rapunzelinvestments.com, spelled R-A-P-U-N-Z-L, investments.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Miles Gage. He's the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Rapunzel Investments, which is a mobile app that allows people to simulate stock portfolios using real-time market data. Welcome back to the show, uh, Miles. 
glad to be here. So we were looking at the curriculum that you offer, and you have a section on saving versus investing. So one of the mm -hmm. things people should know about the difference between saving and investing and why they should do a little bit of each. Right, yeah. So, I mean, one, it's good to save, but you're not really going to build wealth with just simply saving. Unfortunately, one, sorry about that. Um, basically, what we talk about with the saving and investing section is saving is like it's a means to preserve money, uh, maybe to save up to buy something, but investing is the tool in which you're able to build wealth. So we use like two examples, one of like savings accounts to pay like 1% annual or, or average interest rate versus someone that we're investing TS&P 500, which on average returns, generates returns of 10% even in through those economic downturns. So one is not necessarily better than the other one, but each of them allows you to achieve of different things. So we always encourage the students to definitely do both. But I, what I found is a lot of people are, are to try to build wealth by just saving money in a traditional savings account. And unfortunately, that just is not going to cut inflation doing or inflation being where that today that also you, your money in a savings account isn't outbeating inflation. So those are also things to think about, um, you know, when you, when you're when you're building wealth and when you're trying to preserve capital. When, if you need income from your investments, a savings account at 1% or less is not going to give you much income. What would you recommend in today's still relatively low interest rate environment for people who need current income? I, I mean, for people that need current income, I mean, you, you definitely have bonds that, you know, offer coupon payments and you also have blue chip stocks would have come pay dividends um year over year like AT&T, Walmart, companies like that. So if you're looking for passive income, then those are ways to do that. Definitely like bond, I'm sorry, dividend paying stocks as well. Yeah. Okay, your next section is what you call what makes a good stock. So what are some of the things that make for a good stock? So I I think the key thing is is profitability. So is this company making revenue? Is is this company profitable? And then if it's not currently profitable, does it have a, a means or or a route to become profitable? Because a lot of the newer tech companies, they aren't initially profitable, but nonetheless they that doesn't discount them for quality companies. The other thing that we look at are companies that have a they have a competitive advantage. Is, is the business future-proof or is the business um, investing in new technologies and research and development to, to be innovative? So those are things that make a good stock. We also look at leadership. Who is the management of the company? Are these, do, are, do, they, are, do they have the shareholders' best interests in mind? Are they qualified to run the company? Um, also, when looking at what is a good stock, it, it comes down to like the financial state too and so we we introduce a couple metrics such as like pe ratio return on equity debt to e debt to equity ratio as well as some baseline indicators to understand careers but what makes a good stock for you 
may not necessarily be a good stock for someone else. So really, again, it comes down to forming your own thesis on what you're looking for in in an investment. They're not growing that much, but they demonstrate consistent returns year over year or have a dividend year over year, which they can can count on. And that may not work for someone else that says, I want to invest in growth companies that are newer and newer fields and industries that I think are going to be more prevalent in the future. So that's kind of, or that really is the debate on what are some of the qualitative indicators, some of the quantitative, and then ultimately helping people understand that it really, it really depends on, on what their appetite is for an investment. What would be some resources that people can use uh, to research individual stocks to find the things you're talking about, the PE ratios and management, profitability? What are some online resources that people can do to look these things up? Well, we we do have metrics on the Rapunzel app itself, and we have news and, and some qualitative stuff and like earnings on the app, but it's it is still high level. We don't get into everything. But one thing that we always tell uh, anyone that we're working with for to to immerse yourself in a company's 10K or an annual report, because that's gonna give you all the information that you need. Um, and then that's that's kind of how you can get some of those metrics on your own and derive them on your own. It's like through through the information that's that's in those in the 10K and the annual report. You have a module on what you call financial fitness. So what are the, some of the things there that people should know beyond investing that you talk about in that module? That in the financial fitness, we talk about um, debt, debt credit management and how you should be allocating your funds. So one of the first things we say is like when you get money, you should be paying for your needs first. That's like you got to pay like your basic bills. Then after that, then you want to be um, allocating money towards an emergency fund, three to six months. Then after that, you want to make sure that if you have any debt outstanding, that you're paying that and not just a minimum, but trying to make the full payments on those credit cards and not and making sure you have like a low utilization rate, but not just leaning on credit cards as a means of like free money because it's not. And then the interest rates that are associated with credit cards. So that's we talk about financial fitness is more about forming personal money management habits and sticking to a routine to really see results, just like a physical workout. So today we have inflation. So what are some specific things that people could do to, to cope with the inflation they're seeing today, higher food prices and fuel prices and rents? How, how can people have a budget that accounts for the inflation we're seeing today? Well, a budget around that, I think... <laughs> I think you might have to adjust the budget if, if like the basic costs. If you're if you're if you're asking from the standpoint of just buying things, uh, yeah, I, I you know unfortunately with goods being more expensive, then you just have to you have to purchase them if that's what if those are your needs. Um, but to that point, you may have to make some other lifestyle adjustments, and maybe not, and maybe your disposable your discretionary income. Uh, is shifting too because the cost of your essentials has gone up. Um, but I mean, as far as from an investing standpoint, I mean, there are like uh, inflation adjusted bonds that you can purchase. I think that there are some industries that uh, in, in a rising rate environment or with inflation uh, tend to not be hit as hard. 
such as real estate is one of them. Um, then maybe it's energy is another industry that I think is something that it's going to be needed. And then probably like consumer goods companies, as far as like manufacturers of like cereal and other, and other food products are going to be things that you want to think about. Yeah. Do you have a section, what you call don't buy, don't rent, buy? How do you make the, the decision between renting and buying a place to live, particularly in today's world where home prices have gone up dramatically and mortgage rates have gone up? But rents have also gone up a lot. How do you make that rent versus buy decision these days? I, I think it, it really just comes down to like what you can afford because let's just say that let's say that if you're if let's just say that all right well I think the average mortgage rate is like hovering a little bit over five percent and that may lead to your your and or your monthly mortgage payment being let's just call it eighteen hundred dollars your average rent payment could also be $1,800. So it really just depends on the appetite of the buyer itself, of the buyer of themselves. Uh, because I think renting and buying is definitely going to vary from person to person. But at the same time, both things are going up and you need a place to live. So it's just a matter of, do you want to put this in your landlord's hand and potentially them jacking the rents up even more? Or do you want to lock in an interest rate for a, for a mortgage right now and hopefully um, at a later date be able to refi um, when mortgage when interest rates may drop a little bit? You know, those are those are things to consider because the thing is interest rates aren't always going to be rising. And in fact, they may we we've seen rates get cut before. I, I think right now we're probably going to be in a time where interest rates are going to continue to rise. So to that point, you may want to lock in a rate right now because in 12 months, it may be higher than it is today. But at the same time, conversely, your rent that you would be potentially paying to the landlord may also be higher at that date. So it's just, it just unfortunately, that one, it depends too. Do, do you think it was uh, foolish of a lot of people to get up and uh, get involved in bidding wars, which is happening the last year or so for houses? And there was such a short supply and so many buyers that people ended up paying way more than the asking price? I, well, I think that they foolishly, to me, yes, but I think if you're in a bidding war for a home, you probably have the cash to do it. Um, so to them, it, that, those problems seem like those headlines are around people that are seem to be in, in, in more well-off situations. I don't think that they were getting a bargain at all. I think the sellers were, it was definitely a seller's market. But um, yeah, it, it does seem foolish. But at the same time, I I don't I don't think that I also think that there were people that that recognized what was going on. But I think that there were also people that were flocking to real estate as a hedge, um, given where the economy was going too. Yeah, very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman for the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Miles Gage. He's the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Rapunzel Investments. Uh, you can find out more at his website, RapunzelInvestments.com, spelled R-A-P-U-N-Z-L. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? 
Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Miles Gage. He's the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Rapunzel Investments, which is a mobile app that allows people to simulate stock portfolios using real-time market data. You can find out more at his website, RapunzelInvestments.com. Welcome back to the show, Miles. Glad to be here. So we were going through the curriculum you have, and you have one on the power and risk of credit cards. What are some of the things that people might not realize about credit cards, both the good parts and the dangers uh, that you talk about in that module? Um, I think, I don't know if people don't realize it, but when you use a credit card, you're borrowing money. Um, and and basically there is like an annual percentage rate, which I think on average is like 19%. But if you just make the minimum payments on your credit card bill, that interest rate ultimately ends up coming. It, it, it starts to, to build up against you. Just like compound interest is great in the form of like investing, compound interest also works against you in the form of credit card payments. The other thing that I think credit cards are can be a tool as far as building a credit if you just use it for, for your essentials and the necessities in the sense that you're able to start building credit because you're 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 paying for your your needs and your daily expenses and then paying them off at the end of the month. That can be a good way to build credit. And if you have good credit, then that means that people or institutions will let you borrow at more favorable rates and potentially bringing that APR a lot lower. Um, also, by having good credit, that allows you to lock in better interest rates when trying to get a mortgage to purchase a home or another property. And it just opens a lot of doors for you having good credit. I think that people often see it and, and just want to use all or use like utilize the credit card. And we always tell people don't use more than 30% of it. And if you have to, use more of the credit card to try to pay the balance down at the end of the month or when the statements do, because that can come back to haunt you. But yeah, I think that's just, that really just comes down to it. And I think again, like by having good credit, you can get access to other credit products. So yes. that's that. Okay. You have a section on diversification and risk. So what should people know about diversification uh, that's in your module? First off, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You don't want to invest all your money in one asset class. Uh, and within an asset class, you don't, as it pertains to stock, you don't want to invest in just one industry. 
you can you can reduce unsystematic risk, which is which is risk presented by investing in a specific industry, by diversifying and creating a diverse stock portfolio. And we mentioned an acronym called FETCH, which represents five industries that are needed regardless of the economic climate. So the F represents financial services because banks are the bedrock of the economy. Energy is because we need fuel to get from point A to point B. And, and the utility companies that use fuel as an input are also vital because I can't remember the last time I didn't turn the lights on in my house. The T represents technology because technology is is ever evolving and it's something that has become so embedded in our daily lives the c and fetch represents communications because we have to remain connected to one another regardless whether it's through cellular service or if it's through wi-fi and internet that was something that we saw was extremely prevalent prevalent when the the world shut down and we couldn't go outside in the beginning of the pandemic and then h and fetch represents healthcare because unfortunately people are always going to get sick and healthcare companies provide the, the 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 medication and drugs to ultimately help combat people's illnesses and provide us products to make sure that we may remain healthy. So those are like some of the key things that we talk about with diversification. And we also mention um, other asset classes such as real estate. We talk about investing in, in like startup companies in the life cycle of of securing like angel investments to to getting an investment from VCs and the use of like options and futures contracts. Yeah. You have a section called Investment Strategies of the World's Best Investors. We can't don't have time to go through all of them, but just give us a rough idea of what some of the best investment strategies are of some of the most famous. You've got uh, Peter Lynch, you've got uh, Warren Buffett, you've got uh, uh, Vanguard, John Bogle. Just give us a sense of some of the best strategies. I mean, I'll just talk about Peter Lynch and, and Warren Buffett. Basically, Peter Lynch is an advocate for buying what you know, and, and, and he sticks to that strategy of buying companies that he actually supports. Warren Buffett is a value investor, and he is also big on buying companies that he understands, and industries that he understands, but he invests for the long term. He, he buys businesses that he would want to own for an extended period of time. And I think when people are introduced to the stock, market they think about it as like a get rich quick type of thing and that's not that's not that's not the case at all to truly have success in investing not only does it take time in the market but it also takes sticking to a certain investing strategy to see the results so those are two investors that have strategies and stick to them and have had tremendous success with with their investments you're saying you need a lot of patience because People do tend to have a very short trigger when they come to the stock market. They see it go up and down. It, it, patience really pays off in the long run, is what you're saying. That is key. Patience is 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 the fund is the foundation. Yeah. You also have a section on understanding how to read and evaluate a company's 10K. Talk a little bit about what people can see in their 10K or their quarterly reports. So. In the 10K, and when it comes to financial statements, there are three key financial statements. The income statement, or P&L, which tells you how much a company is making and what their expenses are, and then ultimately tells you how profitable the business is. Uh, then with the balance sheet, it gives a balance sheet gives a snapshot of a company's assets and liabilities at any given point of time. So we want to see like what 
what assets a company has, like how much cash they have on deck, what their receivables, how much money are they expecting to get in, what uh, if do they have any property, plant equipment, real estate, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then as far as liabilities go, how much money do they owe, what are their long-term debt, and then assets minus liabilities gives you shareholder equity. So that tells you like how much what like shareholder equity value is from a book value standpoint. And so you can use um, to give a snapshot and then the cash flow statements shows you like how much cash is actually going in and out of a business. Um, and with by blending in certain elements of each of those respective statements, you can get an idea about a company's financial wherewithal and the financial health of a business. So I think that understanding and have a baseline understanding of what financial statements are and how they relate will help you better in your evaluation process if an investment or if investing in a company is the best move for you. And then you have a module on uh, ETFs and mutual funds, a deeper dive. What, why would one do an ETF or a mutual fund? What are the pros and cons of those? I think a mutual fund and ETF could potentially allow someone to achieve diversification without having to do all of the underlying research themselves, um, especially like a specifically ETF. You can get exposure to one industry um, and like general exposure, but it's basically like just buying a share of stock of one company. So that's really cool. And then the mutual fund, each respective mutual fund has their own strategy, but they're led by professionals. Um, that that picked the mutual fund. So that also allows you to lean and rely on someone else um, that, that has some expertise. But I think before you just invest in any mutual fund or just an ETF, it's always good to have a baseline understanding. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap this up, what kind of a difference will it make in people's lives if they learn about all the things we've talked about, both investing and other financial things and, and in, involve themselves with Rapunzel Investments? I think that one using of the other tools that we have, it'll give you a baseline understanding of the world of money. And I think that regardless if you you know you ultimately pursue a career in that or want to be a professional money manager or even manage your own funds, at least you have an understanding of what to look for, what not to do, um, and to really best position yourself. And I think that's the key thing is just having the with to be able to make the best decisions. And if you do that correctly, what difference will it make in people's lives versus not being financially educated? I think that you're more susceptible to making a lot more money. That's just a key thing. Or, or a potential money manager or financial advisor taking advantage of you, or you missing out on a lot of opportunities that, to, that exist and ultimately not being in the best financial position that you could be in. We've learned a lot. My guest this hour has been Miles Gage. He's the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Rapunzel Investments based in Chicago. It's a mobile application that allows people to simulate stock portfolios using real-time market data. You can find out more at their website, RapunzelInvestments.com, spelled R-A-P-U-N-Z-L. Thanks so much, Miles. I think we've learned a lot about personal finance and how you're educating them at Rapunzel. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show.
Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.